as soon as consumers got more choice and had the ability to tune out things that made them feel bad, they did. And right now with the internet, it's, it's you know, the old joke was there's 500 channels. Well, we've got infinite channels um, now and empowerment marketing works better. But here's the irony. Welcome to Longevity Gains, the show that reveals the near limitless opportunities for digital marketers and entrepreneurs in the longevity economy. We're talking about the people aged 50 and over who already account for more than half of consumer spending in the U.S. and 83% of household wealth, which will only increase in the years to come. It's the $22 trillion opportunity you can't afford to ignore. All right, well, Brian, I don't know uh, how the weather is where you are, but here in Dallas, it has changed. We're getting cooler, and that is great, except for the fact that I get my annual cold and allergy uh, onslaught, which has happened right now. So I just want to apologize to the audience for my voice. It is not in tip-top shape, uh, but we're powering through it. You know, It's like Peyton Manning, the year he led the Broncos to the Super Bowl. His arm wasn't working quite well, but he relied on his defense and everybody else to carry him, and so I'll have to ask you to do that today. You just had to sneak a sports analogy in there, <laughs> didn't you? If the people uh, only knew the one I wanted to sneak in there. I know. You know, I've, I've got to I've got to ramp him down, bring him away from talking about Dion some more. And then he gets he goes to Peyton Manning. I mean, OK, you know, at least it was the Broncos quarterback. I'll go with that. Um, so hey, I, I did want to ask you before we get started, did you see the headline that I sent you uh, earlier today? It was uh, Sam Neill says that he would rather die than retire, which I immediately yeah. thought of you when I saw that. <laughs> it was a, it was good. It was like, you know, I, I think he's battling cancer or something. I believe, I believe um, so, yeah. But he's like, yeah, I'm not really afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not working. And I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> that may be extreme but uh you know that's uh that's what gives his life meaning and purpose that's uh kind of kind of what we're talking about yeah well and you know it's also what gives his life status as well and that is our topic for today um you know you wrote about in the last premium lesson over at the longevity gain substack about status um and so i want to just kind of lead into the conversation with this question to you, is status something that we simply want, or is the drive to seek status deeper than that? It's uh, when we talk about human nature. I mean, um, I guess the number one drive is to reproduce, right? To continue the species. That's our number one purpose, if you want to look at it from that standpoint. But right behind that <laughs> is um, anytime we're around other humans, um, yeah, status is basically hardwired into us and it's it's a difficult topic because the way we think about status seeking status symbols social climbing all of that it's not cool right like like you know we make fun of people who are overt status seekers and yet i you have to be very self-aware with yourself that even when you're doing that, that is a form of status seeking, right? You're like, I'm part of the group that doesn't 
you know, wear Gucci or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So your status is different than their status. It's really comes down to the kind of groups that you participate in. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting to talk about this with you because we've run the unemployable community. Uh, before that there was authority and, and the uh, other copy blogger, um, community and, you know, you get people to join because they feel like they belong there. But as soon as they get in there, then you see people jockeying for status. And now when I say that, everyone's out there going, oh, that's terrible. That's horrible. No. You know how you get status in a community like that? You contribute. You help people, right? Yep. So status seeking isn't necessarily bad, but you know, you go from being helpful and kind and ethical and then you cross the line into virtue signaling, right? So it's really <laughs> yeah. a matter of how, how you handle your status game, if you will. Um, you know, we have all these terms, humble brag, virtue signal, you know, I mean, it's all in us. And um, I've taken a lot of time in reflection um, because I do not play the obvious status games. I did for a little bit, but that was mainly my wife's fault. Uh, she's not here, so we can blame her. But uh, like she likes cars, right? And I'm not much of a car guy, but we had some very expensive cars back before we sold Studio Press. And then when we left to travel, I sold them. And then I come back, I've got more money than I've ever had. And I'm like, no, we're not buying a fancy car. You know, we're not doing this or that. It, it's interesting that it just doesn't mean anything. And yet, as we'll see, I am quite aware that I'm playing some other kind of status game, right? So yeah. Yeah, I, it's a fundamental aspect of who we are. And if you are going to be a thought leader or uh, a successful digital marketer, you have to understand that when you are leading or mentoring your people, um, you are in essence charged with an elevation of status um, you know, even taking them from who they are today to who they want to be without, you know, by solving a problem or satisfying a desire, that is an elevation of status. So in the premium lesson you're talking about, I actually talked about three psychological mechanisms you need to lead people in a way that is transformative, right? That, that makes them into the next version of themselves, um, and status is one of those things. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fundamental. Where do you, you know, often when we're talking about these kind of fundamental needs and desires, we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and where things fall there. Where does status fall kind of in that hierarchy of, of different things that we desire as humans? Yeah, so belonging is a more fundamental need than the next level up, which is esteem, right? Um, so like we kind of mentioned, uh, we seek out group identification and inclusion first and foremost but as soon as that belonging need is satisfied, then you're kind of like, who am I relative to the other people in the group? So um, so the esteem needs are almost go hand in hand, but belonging is more important. In fact, um, there are a lot of psychological researchers who think belonging is even more fundamental, like on par with um, food and shelter and the very basic needs like, um, you know, the loneliness epidemic that, that people are facing is a real problem. You know, it's, um, it's a fundamental thing and you you can be starved of food. You can be starved of air. 
and you can be starved of belonging. But as soon as you belong, then you start going, where do I rank here? Um, and, and again, we kind of make fun of this and uh, it, it really just depends on, on the culture that you're in. Some cultures uh, are more uh, all about status symbols and it, and that's all fine. It, it's uh, it's seen as a virtuous thing while other cultures uh, like to say, I don't care about status, which is a form of status seeking in itself. I think about the show Frasier. Did you ever watch Frasier? Uh, a little bit. I didn't like watch it yeah. all the way through, but I'm aware of it. Well, yeah, the two brothers, um, Frasier and Niles, their whole lives is nothing but status seeking, social climbing. And that's the entire premise of the show. And so we laugh at them. Aha, you know, look how petty you are. But again, we all have our own forms of it. So that's part, I guess, the defining culture of your movement or your uh, the way you interact with your audience is how do they look at status? Um, and just because it's not, uh, you know, transparent displays of status symbols, it may be the opposite of that. But that doesn't mean that you're not charged with elevating their status, the way they feel about themselves, their self-esteem. And this can range from prestige, which is a form of respect that comes with our accomplishments, or just plain old respect is also, you know, a form of status. So, yeah. you know, and, and the other thing too, and, and you wrote about this in the piece is that, you know, status changes um, and, you know, what we seek and the kinds of status that we seek to attain change as we have new life experiences, you know, as we get older, um, how does that play into that? And how aware do you need to be of that, you know, as you look to impact your people in the best way possible? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's a book called Generations that um, obviously talks about the different generations and their characteristics and whatnot. And the premise of that book is that it is technology that makes the difference um, in the way that uh, the various age groups basically see the world and interact and, and make sense of it. So you'll see over and over again that um, younger people, millennials and Gen Z value experiences over material things. That's a shift in status. And how do you get status from an experience? Instagram, right? I mean, social media should be the biggest tell of all that we are status-seeking apes, as the saying goes. Um, but again, you you just see it play out in different ways. But, you know, I don't think it's just younger people that value experiences more than material things. Um, you know, it, it's an old kind of trope, but, uh, you know, even in the 50s and 60s, people would want to show you pictures of their vacation. But the problem was you had to come over their house and watch a little slideshow, right? That So that's all Instagram is. So technology doesn't change human nature. It amplifies it. So do younger people value experiences more? Yes, because they can get clout for sharing their experiences, right? Like I said, so I'm trading in, you know, fancy cars and a house in Boulder to go travel the world, right? Um, not necessarily going to be staying in luxury, you know, places. I, we're just going to go to different places and and live like normal people, which is the idea. 
But we know that's another form of status, right? The whole location-independent digital nomad thing um, since before the pandemic, but especially now. Like, if you're someone who can hold on to your remote job without getting called back to the office, that's a form of status, right? Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting how technology and and life events can can switch what we think of um, as status. And yet we've got Shador Sanders who holds up his $70,000 watch to taunt people. Right. So that's different, a different form of status. You know, my wife is always, she gets upset when Shador does that. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't think Shador cares what you think. (laughs) And, and she, you know, she is inconspicuous in her, um, status, uh, signaling, if you will, there's something called quiet luxury. I don't know if she technically qualifies for this, but I know she doesn't have like flashy brands, but I know everything she buys is expensive for some reason. So <laughs> something's going on there, <laughs> but the, yeah, there was a New York times article about how, uh, it's not cool, uh, in certain communities to be overtly dripping in status symbols, so you buy expensive stuff that only other rich people know is, is expensive. Uh, that seems kind of silly to me. But um, yeah, uh, it, it is interesting to think. And I, I think that there is a, culturally, we have a backlash against um, uh, displays of status in the traditional way. Like we love the internet marketing guru standing next to the Lambo, right? The first comment's going to be, how much did you lease that for for the day? You know, because no one no one appreciates it really, and no one and it's it's just a it's a form of ridicule. But the person leaving that comment is gaining status points with people who feel the same way, right? Yeah. So yep. we're all seeking status, no doubt. Okay, so last topic that I want to ask you about related here. You know, we've talked about inadequacy marketing and empowerment marketing so far on the show. You've written about it over at the Stubstack. How do inadequacy marketing and empowerment marketing play into this idea of status and how you're helping, uh, you know, your people achieve the kind of status that they want? Yeah. And this is really the heart of the matter um, about the form of marketing that we've generally shifted to. But ironically, um, we're still treating older people, uh, you know, as inadequate instead of empowering them. Um, And that's interesting. So inadequacy marketing plays on perceived lower status and the negative emotions that come with that. And so they're basically like, if you buy this dress shirt or these cigarettes or this Cadillac, you will fix your esteem gap. And then your neighbors, you know, the whole keeping up with the the Joneses type thing. And, you know, it, it can work. But as soon as consumers got more choice and had the ability to tune out things that made them feel bad, they did. And right now with the internet, it's, it's you know, the old joke was there's 500 channels. Well, we've got infinite channels um, now and empowerment marketing works better. But here's the irony that that inadequacy is still being used with older people. One of the fundamental changes as you pass age 50 
And this is in the book, The Happiness Curve by Jonathan Rock, which is a, a great book. We talk about it a lot at Further, where you basically get happier after 50. Now, if you take uh, an MRI scan of a 70-year-old's brain and show them negative images, the part of the brain that deals with emotion and, and behavior regulation will not light up like a younger person's, right? Oh. So the reason we get happier as we get older is negativity doesn't impact us as much. We're like, eh, you know, I've been around the block. You're not going to make me feel bad, <laughs> right? So that's the irony of, of trying to treat aging and older people as a problem, as an inadequacy. It just doesn't work. And we've been sharing articles in the newsletter about how if you ignore older consumers, they'll punish your brand. If you make them feel bad and you play all these stereotypes and, and whatnot, they will punish your brand even more, right? And older people use social media too. So um, that that kind of, of marketing is just so inappropriate pretty much across the board, but it's especially ineffective with older people because our brains just go, no, not you're not doing that to me. Um, I've got the experience of life here and I'm, I don't have time to mess around with that kind of thing. So it is an interesting thing, but I think just the fact that, you know, your seventh decade is usually can be seen as your happiest. That takes a lot of people by surprise, right? Um, I think the, the misconception there is that it's all downhill once you pass a certain age, you know? Um, but really midlife is just a transition period more than it's a crisis period. And you're transitioning into a happier, more, uh, emotionally regulated person who will spend that mountain of cash <laughs> that, that older people are sitting on. If you help them live the life, uh, that they want, uh, and with empowering messages, with positivity about age, about who you are at that point. This is the secret to it. And this entire market is just saying, here we are, here's our money. Don't you dare talk to me like I'm a problem, right? Yeah. And yet that's the opportunity. That's where we're at right now. It's so funny. We have that common metaphor of being over the hill once you get older, but maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention to what's on the other side of the hill because apparently we have a lot of misconceptions about it. I know. And it's so funny that it's the over the hill and, and stuff like this. Our our entire language uh, of from a cultural standpoint is celebrate youth and kind of dump on the old. Well, guess what? Uh, we pay lip service to respecting your elders, but from a status standpoint, you know, are, are there other forms of status at play when you market to older people? Of course, but why not just start with treating them with respect in the first place. You don't even have to be a super marketing genius here. You just have to serve a market that is willing to spend money and has plenty of it and is historically been ignored. It's kind of, you know, I almost said shooting fish in a barrel. That's probably an improper metaphor too, but <laughs> probably good to just assume at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm talking about that. Um, you know, what I'm teaching in the in the premium lessons about empowerment marketing is really about understanding your prospects 
at this psychographic level where you understand what they value and what their attitudes are. Um, but the first thing you have to get by is this idea that older people have uh, bitter attitudes about aging. Some do. Some people don't aren't in good health. Uh, you know, this is true of all age groups at this point, unfortunately, though. Um, a lot of obesity and, and whatnot is across the board. But the, the really vibrant older consumers are also the ones that will make, you know, the best prospects for you as well. So you just have to understand that and understand that from a status level, it just serving the market at all is is a form of respect that uh, makes people feel good and that that's how low the bar is right now yeah okay so you can get that entire article longevitygains.com premium read that article on status all the other ones brian that you have put out there um we probably should note uh just for one particular listener who may happen to be a partner in our company that shador sanders is the quarterback for colorado just want to make sure that she's clear on that um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trudy. Trudy is the only one who has not jumped on the bandwagon, but that's pretty probably good. She's probably a Stanford fan at this yeah. point. <laughs> any, uh, and, any final thoughts before we wrap up? <laughs> I think I better go let you drink some lemon infused tea or something, man. Oh, uh, man. This is too early in the season to be. I know. <laughs> You're telling me. Thank you. Really, I do. I apologize for the voice. Thank you for powering through it with me. Uh, I appreciate it. No problem at all. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'm in Florida this week speaking at a conference about these very same topics that we cover at Longevity Gains. It's all happening, people. It's uh, it's all coming together. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Take care, everybody. <laughs>